0: Let's get started. The real problem with banks, the real problem with banks is they just don't want to pay you any money. And they haven't for so long. We've almost gotten lulled to sleep. We've been hypnotized that banks aren't supposed to really pay any real interest because we went through more than a decade when banks, no banks paid any real interest and it really was never part, hasn't been part of the financial conversation in a meaningful way for so long that investors have been essentially lulled to sleep when it comes to what has now been reborn as a really important piece of the overall equation when it comes to your retirement. It's been about a month since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, and that was a true calamity. And we got into a situation that very much could have been just as bad as the great financial crisis. Now, nobody likes bailouts. No one wants taxpayer money to go save some niche bank that only dealt with ultra high net worth, venture capital, sparkly, ritzy ditzy, Silicon Valley startup companies that were underinsured because they had so much money. They were way over the $250,000 FDIC limit. We all know that story because it was in the news as a great calamity because it was snowball rolling down the hill. However, because the FDIC, the Treasury, and the Fed all stepped in over the weekend and essentially backstopped those investors that were not insured, and it was 93% of the bank, and the bank was a $200 billion bank, it prevented that snowball rolling down the hill from becoming a massive financial avalanche here in the United States. If regulators hadn't stepped in and saved the depositors of Signature Bank, which is also a very big bank in New York, and SVB, which was the 16th largest bank in the United States, what we could have seen over this past month is a complete run on your local regional bank that you count on, or your local community bank that you count on for loans. Hear about the five or six giant banks in the United States, and yes, they have a huge market share, but the reality is that there are hundreds, thousands of regional and small community banks that are really the lifeblood of the United States economy. And the very foundation of the banking system, the stability of the system, we tend to take for granted because we do have FDIC insurance. When that comes into question and we start seeing banks where half the client base is over the FDIC limits are uninsured if the bank were to fail, we're starting to see cracks in the foundation. The banks are fine, nobody even thinks about the banks, but the banks were set up with FDIC after the Great Depression. One of the things that caused the Great Depression was a, an actual run on banks. When a few banks failed, everyone else got panicked, started standing in line to go get money out of their banks. And these are the black and white pictures we see that really led to the and the exacerbation of the Great Depression. So in 1933, the US government founded the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Company that essentially said, we're going to protect up to a certain amount, all of your money in every bank, as long as you don't go over the limits, so that you have no worry, even if your bank does make a bunch of bad loans and your bank fails, your deposits are still safe. The FDIC will come in and by Monday morning, you can get your money out or we'll have it taken over by another bank. So there's this great stability and great confidence that money in the bank is truly safe. That didn't really happen until 1933. So we have two major things going on here. We have this shock to the banking system, the worry of two big banks going under, and what that does now to the economy and all other banks that are now potentially much more cautious about their lending, less lending, less entrepreneurship, less economic growth. So it could slow down the economy. But I think more importantly, that it's still not getting a whole lot of press is the investment side of the equation. While this matters to your retire sooner journey from a rate of return, or a rate of interest perspective. Because let's assume for a minute that what the FDIC, the treasury and the Fed did stabilize the banking system. In fact, we see a lot of evidence that people are not yanking money out of their community banks anymore, like they did the first week, right after the collapse of SVB. The new bank lending facilities that were put into place so that all banks can have more liquidity seems to really have stemmed the tide. Yes, very recently, CEO of JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, said there's still going to be fallout from the banking collapse of SVB, And I think there's no doubt we'll continue to see some ripples over the coming year or so. But he also said, and I agree with this, the banking troubles that we have just gone through, or at least the beginnings of the banking troubles that we've just gone through, really do not feel or seem like 2008, 2007, 2008, which was a real banking crisis where the government had to come step in and save multiple giant institutions. And the problem with the banking system in 2007 and eight, it was built on a castle of sand. And that sand were a bunch of really crappy assets that the banks held in mass. Those were called CMOs, Collateralized Mortgage Obligations. And the problem with those, they're essentially bundled mortgages that are bought and sold in the marketplace after banks are making loans to people that had no possibility of ever paying them back with overinflated home values. Remember, ninja loans, no income, no job, no problem. You could still get a loan. That was so pervasive for a number of years, it built this enormous house of cards. And when the top crumbled, the whole industry did, banks were stuck holding those kernels of sand and it didn't go well. And it took many, many years and a a massive recession, the great financial crisis to come out of it. Here, and this leads me to the investment part of why this is so important to discuss today, is that banks actually are in better shape than they've been financially for, call it a half a decade or so. Because after the financial crisis, banks were nervous to make bad loans, new regulations came in, and the pendulum swung almost the other direction, meaning the banks are hyper- focused on making sure borrowers had the ability to pay back their loans. (laughs) Totally different from before the great financial crisis. For the most part, banks have also been more conservative with their assets. So instead of buying these mini bubbles that were building a house of cards or collateralized mortgage obligations that were AAA rated, that should have been triple F rated, banks have really been buying government bonds. Full faith and credit of the United States. So credit quality, extraordinarily high. But like we saw with SVB, because interest rates stayed so low for so long, they ended up buying a bunch of bonds with ultra low yields. And we know what happens with bond prices and interest rates. It's like the playground seesaw. One side goes up, the other side goes down. If interest rates go up, one side of the seesaw, let's call it the left side of the seesaw, The right side goes in the other direction. And the further we are out on that seesaw relative to the center point or the fulcrum, the greater the movement, meaning that, and think about the fulcrum as a one month bond or a one year bond. Think about sitting on the end of that seesaw on either end as a 30 year bond, lots of movement on both sides. So rates go up, prices go way down. Think of that as longer term bonds we're sitting right at the fulcrum. There's almost no movement. Think of those as one month or one year bonds. Banks got caught, particularly Silicon Valley Bank, holding the bag with bonds that were way too far out on the seesaw. And even though you have a high quality bond that is gonna mature at par with no problem in five years, depositors wanted their money in literally five minutes. Huge timing mismatch. Hence, we saw the collapse of SVB. They held a bunch of bonds that were longer dated maturities that were eventually gonna be coming to par, but they needed cash today. So they were forced to sell those bonds before they got back to their par value. They were forced to sell at a loss and that loss created panic. And then the speed of banking and technology today where you no longer have to stand in line to take your money out, as an example, Washington Mutual, the most notable bank failure and biggest bank failure prior to SVB, it took nine days. And at the time, this was speed of light. Nine days for people to stand in line, go to the bank, take their money out, go to another bank. Nine days, 9% of all the assets left that bank. That was thought of as a massive run on the bank. Whereas SVB, we know that 25% of all the bank's assets were requested or pulled out in an afternoon. Then we learned the next day, hundred billion. Pulled out in an eight hour period. So essentially, almost all the money left the bank, nearly 100% of the money left in about 48 hours. 9% in nine days, 100% in 48 hours. The speed of customers able to move money from bank to bank has gone up almost infinitely. So it's a whole new banking system with technology that regulators need to get used to. And they will figure out a way to solve that problem. Maybe it's greater FDIC insurance, maybe it's higher FDIC insurance. But let me get back to the bigger issue at hand that impacts you. I pulled the national average yield for savings accounts in the United States. Now, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, think of master's week, master's golf week in Augusta, Georgia. That's when I pulled this information. So it's maybe a week or so from when you're listening to it. But the national average yield for savings accounts in the United States is 0.23%. Let's call it a quarter of a percent, APY, annual percentage yield. That's according to Bankrate. Yes, you've got lots of online banks that have higher saving, higher rates than the national average. But Bankrate gets this information from the 10 largest banks and thrift institutions in the 10 largest U.S. markets. So these are the big boys. These are the big, big banks. And they're not paying very much. Again, I don't want to call out any individual bank here, but you know the names. You see the commercials. Think of the top five banks you know in the United States. Here's a good representation of it. 0.15% APY on money in a bank account. 0.01%, 0.01%, 0.01%. We're talking about banks that are paying you still essentially nothing, even though the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates nearly a dozen times from zero all the way to almost 5%. Yet the big banks around the United States are still paying very, very little on money that is again, sitting in a savings account, sitting in a checking account. How can that possibly be? How can some banks be paying four, four and a half percent and the really big banks still paying you almost nothing? There's a couple of things going on. One, the big banks right now are taking advantage of this perception that they're the safe place to hold money. So there's a propensity when we go through difficult economic times to flee to safety. Let's only go to the very biggest banks. Let's call it the Wells Fargo's the bank of America's of the world. So in one respect, they're capitalizing on their brand equity and saying, look, we don't really need to pay you a whole lot. Number one. Number two, the economy has slowed down some. We're still likely growing here in the second quarter of 2023. The economy is slowing, at least to some extent, and banks are getting more nervous and more scared about lending and businesses, quite frankly, are a little more hesitant to borrow. So in order for a bank to pay you 4%, they have to be making loans where they're getting, getting 7%. We all know that home purchases have slowed down dramatically because interest rates are so much higher. So if you're a bank and you've got tons of deposits like the big banks, but you're not making a whole lot of loans, then it's a little tougher for them to pay a bunch of interest. Number three, what we saw the poster child of all of this is Silicon Valley Bank owned a bunch of bonds that they bought during the ultra low interest rate environment. So they have securities that they put their cash to work in. So banks can either make loans with your deposits or go buy securities with your deposits. And we had such a long stretch of almost zero interest rates and really low bond yields is that banks are full of a bunch of bonds that they bought a little while ago that just aren't paying a whole lot. So in turn, they don't wanna pay you a whole lot in interest. Therein lies the problem. Full disclosure, I am affiliated with Capital Investment Advisors, which is a full service and a fee-only financial planning and investment management firm in Atlanta and Denver and Tampa and Phoenix or wherever you are. And if you'd like to take your retirement planning or retire sooner journey to the next level, Capital Investment Advisors would love to help. You can find our team and schedule a time to chat Right at yourwealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R wealth.com. I've talked to dozens and dozens of families that I work with. I've heard the same story. Hey, my bank's really not paying me much. I've even gone to my bank and I've asked them, hey, you're giving me 1.5%. Is there anything else you can do? Well, sure, you can maybe buy a CD at these banks. Maybe it's four, maybe it's 4.5%, but you've got to hold it for the whole, let's call it 12 or 13 months to be able to get that interest. Otherwise the interest gets wiped out. But for the most part, particularly the bigger banks, they're not gonna just start paying you 4% on your savings account. So there's three things to understand. One, we have an interest payment mismatch. The national yield for savings accounts, it's less than a quarter of a percent, again, according to bank rate. But a one-year treasury bond, by the way, what do we think backs the FDIC, which is a government-run entity? The Treasury of the United States, the full faith and credit of the U.S. Well, wait a minute. Full faith and credit of the United States Treasury bond, a one year's paying you 4.5% today. That's more than 10 times the amount of the average savings account is paying in the United States. That's a giant interest rate mismatch. Again, why is it so low? Well, banks were giving out low loan rates for a long time. Then they bought a bunch of bonds that were little to yielding nothing. And the demand for new loans in the 7 to 8% range, now that rates are higher, there's not an overwhelming demand for that, as we've seen from housing. So again, they have trouble paying you 4% to 5%. Again, despite short-term treasury bonds paying well over 4%. That has led to... What might be the solution if you find yourself in this low interest rate quagmire is finding some other place where you do get some yield. And there's some good options for that. And we've started to see it particularly over the last month. And we've seen this in the non-problem banks. People have gotten fed up with not getting enough interest and they've moved their cash to other areas. They have moved it to money market mutual funds treasury money market funds. The assets and money market funds have absolutely skyrocketed over the past couple of months. And I would argue that many of these money market funds, which if you read a prospectus, you'll see right there on the cover, these are not guaranteed. They are mutual funds that essentially are buying ultra short-term debt instruments, ultra short-term bonds. In the case of a treasury money market fund, all they're doing is buying Super short-term treasuries. Again, seems pretty safe. And if we're sticking to treasuries or government-oriented bonds, we're arguably in just as safe or a safer position than being in a local bank. No wonder we've seen money market mutual funds just recently go from 4.8 trillion to 5.2 trillion. That's a $400 billion move out of Savings accounts pay nothing into money market mutual funds. If you look at a chart between deposits leaving banks and going into money market funds, started in the fall, this is about when I woke up to this, I'd been lulled to sleep like so many of us. Too much money sitting in a big bank, still not making any interest. Wait a minute, treasuries are yielding four or three and a half. Why am I not just buying short-term treasuries if my bank still won't pay me anything? And then it really accelerated over that weekend of the SVB collapse. Massive money leaving, checking accounts, savings accounts, going into money market funds. Two very different items. So what should you do about it? One, keep only, particularly if your bank still won't pay you any interest, keep only a maintenance level of cash in the actual bank. And that's going to be different for everyone. It could be a thousand bucks. It could be five thousand dollars. It could be 50, it could be a hundred thousand dollars. It just depends on how much you're spending and and you need liquid and available in an actual checking account. And it's okay if it's not making a whole lot of money because it's not there for investment, it's there for utilization, it's there for for spending, it's there for your budget. Number two, keep the rest anything above that number for you. Let's say your number is fifty thousand dollars. Everything above that should should arguably be in something that is safe with a respectable yield, i.e. a CD or a money market fund, or just good old fashioned individual short-term treasury bonds. And any one of those three, whether it's a CD, a money market fund, or buying short-term treasuries, should land you in the 4% plus range. Now, where can you find this? I had a, a client actually call me and ask, hey, I got too much money sitting in the bank and I know I should probably be buying some treasuries with it. What do I do? Do I go to treasurydirect.gov? Do I do this through the government website? The answer is pretty simple. First of all, CDs you can find at your local bank. You've got to go in and ask, that's where you can buy CDs. But you can also find them in all these other areas I just mentioned, money market mutual funds, and treasury bonds at pretty much any large investment company, whether it's Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, big brokerage firms, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, you name it. All of these investment companies should be very adept at making sure that your cash is working for you. And all of these items, these investment vehicles are available at investment oriented companies or brokerage firms. That's very different than your local bank that is not a securities-oriented firm that really does probably only offer savings accounts, checking accounts, and CDs. Very rarely would you be able to go into your bank and say, I'd like to buy some individual treasuries. That would be treasuries would be purchased at some sort of brokerage company. So you would need an account. Maybe you still want to have $200,000 in ultra safe money maybe 30 or 40 of that stays at the bank in the actual bank and then the difference, let's call it another 160 or 170,000 of it, could find its way into some sort of brokerage account at any one of these institutions to either purchase a money market mutual fund or short-term treasuries. Here are some of the yields as I speak here today. Three-month treasury, 4.79. Six-month treasury, 4.76. Nine-month treasury, 4.6%. One-year treasury, right around 4.5%. These are really serious yields. These move the meter. The other thing is that almost everyone with a 401k or a 403b, a retirement plan at work, typically has an option that is a money fund. It's not a bond fund necessarily, but a money market fund as one of your options. Those money funds, you've probably ignored for a long time because they made less than a half a percent a year for a long time. Today, they should be on pace to do four, four and a half percent. Again, with really low risk here. Again, almost nothing is guaranteed, but it's hard to find something that's safer than a treasury money fund. One other thing to look at, and I know that Schwab does this for their money funds they'll publish an amount of daily liquidity because it's a mutual fund. Most of these money funds have to have some limit on how much can leave per day. I've often seen 30, 40, 50% is their daily amount you can withdraw. But I've also seen with treasury funds because these are again short-term highly liquid government treasuries can have a 100% daily withdrawal. So that's something you want to look at when you're looking at a money fund, a money market fund. Again, these are not guaranteed. You'll see right on the prospectus, it says this is a security because they're technically buying bonds, which technically could run into trouble. But if you're doing your homework and you're finding a government-oriented fund that it's ultra short-term, the advantage right now we have is that ultra short-term rates are actually pretty darn high. That's because the Federal Reserve has moved the federal funds rate up dramatically over the past year. Treasury securities reflect that. Now, will it last forever? Probably not. The Fed could start lowering rates later in the year, maybe next year. But as far as making our money work for us, the banks just aren't getting it done. They don't want to do it. They're going to resist. They're going to make it difficult. What I've tried to arm us all with today are a couple of really simple, safer moves that we can all think about doing to make sure that our cash is really working for us. And it may even be a big piece of the pie chart of our overall asset allocation. It's our safety money. It's our dry powder money. The good news today is it should be yielding a lot. At least I consider four to 5% a lot in the world we live in and almost infinitely more than what we've seen over the last almost decade. All of this to help you with your Retire Sooner journey. If you have questions, of course, we're here to help as well, the Retire Sooner team. You can email us right through westmoss.com. Your questions come directly to our team and we'll do our very best to help.
1: information.